woman came by, and she wanted me to hear what she said, okay? I knew that. She said it very loud so I could hear it. And she said, Pastor, did uh, Brother Sis know that the microphone was on today? <laughs> and and, uh, and in other words, it, it was way too loud. Uh, I was in Alabama one time and, and preached uh, on Sunday morning and had some other things on Sunday afternoon, and I, and I was driving back to Chattanooga to be there for Monday morning. And uh, I stopped at a church. I had no idea what kind of church. I, I knew it was a Baptist church, or at least it said it was on the sign. And so I, I went in, and I, I thought, I'm just going to be here listening to the preaching and so forth. And so I sat on the back seat, and uh, they began to sing. And I can't sing very well, but I sang pretty loud. And two little girls were sitting right in front of me, and both of them did like this. <laughs> and and I, I kind of got the hint, okay, that uh, I was singing too loud for them, okay? Uh, I, I began pastoring uh, in 1956 at 20, the age of 22, ripe old age of 22. And uh, back in those days, uh, there, there weren't many young preachers. And uh, all the churches around there, they wanted me to come preach. And just because I was so young, you know. And now I'm 87, and churches all over America, they want me to come preach just because I'm so old, okay? <laughs> and I don't think anybody's ever wanted me to come preach just because of my preaching, okay? <laughs> but uh, what, whatever it is, it, it's, a, it's a great joy to be here. And, and thank God for your faithfulness to the cause of Christ. And by the way, thank you for your mission emphasis and I heard about the Good Mission Conference that you had, and uh, thank, thank God for that. Uh, open your Bibles tonight, if you would, to John chapter 13. One of my, uh, I, I say this about too many things, but it is one of my favorite passages of scriptures. Uh, John chapter 13. I tell you what let's do. Let's, let's stand again tonight for the reading of God's word, to honor his word as I, as I try to read it. And... Uh, Let's pray that, that God will speak to our hearts tonight. Uh, every service is important. Uh, I've often thought, I never will forget, as a young preacher down at uh, a community called Silent Run. Now, you can tell by the name of it, Silent Run must have been a big metropolitan area. And to show you how big it was, it was a suburb of Rabbit Ridge, Okay. But uh, a woman called me, and her husband had just died. And I never will forget what she said. And she said, uh, Brother, Brother says, when we heard you preach Sunday morning, we had no idea it would be the last message that Henry would ever hear. And that made a great impression on me. Uh, somebody uh, listening tonight uh, it may be the last message that you would ever hear. And you say, well, I'm young and healthy. But it didn't make any difference. Accidents happen. All kind of things happen and so forth. And, uh, so, and, and the good thing about meeting like this is, Jesus said, for the two or three are gathered together in my name, there will I be in their midst. So, so every meeting is important because it could be the last meeting somebody would ever be in. Last chance to get saved, last chance to get right with God, whatever. And uh, then again, it, it, 
Jesus is here with us, so it's an important meeting. Uh, John chapter 13, close to the end of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, now, now therefore, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of the world into the, unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. We talked about the love of God tonight. The supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he was come from God and went to God. He riseth for supper, laid aside his garment, took a towel, girded himself, and after that he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said unto him, what I, do now, do, what I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. And Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, uh, Lord, uh, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. In other words, give me the whole bath, okay? And Jesus said unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who would betray him, therefore he said, Not all, you are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garment and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for I am. If I then, if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. That's a great statement. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Dear Lord, speak to our hearts tonight through this wonderful passage. There's so many great truths here. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you will anoint my mind tonight that I could think right, my tongue that I could speak right, but most of all, my heart that I would be right. Speak to your people through your word 
And Lord, whatever you do, we'll give you all the glory and all the praise because we don't deserve a, a bit of it. We don't want it. It all belongs to you. And Lord, we'll give you the joy and the praise for whatever you do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Question, okay? If you could do anything that you wanted to do or be anything that you wanted to be, what would you do? What would you be? I heard a story, and you've heard the story about the man walking on the beach and finding a bottle. He picks up the bottle, and the genie comes out of it. The genie says to the man, sir, you can have any wish that you want. And uh, he thought for a few minutes, and he said, uh, you know, both my wife and I, and they lived in L.A., both my wife and I have always wanted to go to Hawaii, but we're fearful of flying. So uh, we would like to have a bridge from Los Angeles to Honolulu. And the genie said, now, come on, be reasonable. I mean, you know, a bridge from Los Angeles to Hawaii. Uh, something else. He said, okay, I have a wife. Uh, I have a mother. I have a mother-in-law. I have sisters. I've always wanted to understand women. And the genie said, do you want a two-lane bridge or a four-lane bridge? <laughs> When I was a boy, uh, I always dreamed of growing to be real tall, real fast, and uh, real nimble on my feet, and could shoot the basketball real well and become a great basketball player. Okay, obviously, uh, it didn't happen, amen. In John chapter 13, we read about Jesus, and uh, he could have been anything that he desired to be. He could have done anything that he wanted to do. He was sovereign. He could have associated with anyone that he chose to associate with. He could have had anything that he desired. He could have been anywhere in the world he wanted to be. He doesn't have much longer to live on this earth. He knows that his hour is near. But when he's going to be betrayed and they're going to come and arrest him, and he knows that they're going to try him and they're going to crucify him, scourge him, crucify him, so on and so forth. So he knows it. And we see in this passage what Jesus did. He knew where he... And by the way, the reason Jesus could do this is several reasons. Look, look at, at verse 2 again. And supper being ended, the devil having put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him. Jesus, look at this, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he was come from God and went to God. Uh, we've gone through a generation where a lot of people, they're trying to find themselves, okay? I often tell them, look in the mirror, there you are, okay? But uh, 
uh, Jesus knew where he came from, and uh, he knew where he was, and he knew where he was going. And because of that, then he could do anything that he wanted to do. And of all the things, he washed the feet of the disciples. You know, the wonderful thing is, we know where we came from. You say, well, my science teachers, well, don't worry about what your science teacher said, amen. Now listen to what God said. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nation. Notice what God said to Jeremiah. Now, I believe through the word of God tonight that God is saying to every one of us, I formed you. And by the way, that tells us where life begins, at conception. And that's the reason abortion uh, should be illegal in any stage of life. Okay. And so uh, uh, we know where we came from. We are created by God. By the way, you're not an accident. I don't know the uh, circumstances of your being born and so forth. Uh, I was the uh, eighth of 11 children, and I don't think my parents got together and said, you know, we need one more child. But thank God, in spite of the fact that uh, I might not have been planned, I was not an accident. Uh, God made me. So I, I, I know where I came from, and I know where I am. I'm saved by the grace of God, and you can know that. Uh, we read in John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. For my Father which giveth me them is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. We know where we are. And not only that, we know where we're going. If you've been saved by the grace of God, you can know where you're going. My wife and I both needed knee replacements, and, and uh, we prayed about it, and she thought she needed hers more than I did, and I wanted her to try it out first anyway, okay? <laughs> so she had uh, knee replacements, both knees replaced at the same time. And I, after the, the operation, just a couple of days in the hospital, and then she went to a rehab center, and... Uh, uh, I would go over every day and spend, you know, 45 minutes, an hour, two hours with her and so forth. And uh, they had rehab in the morning, rehab in the afternoon and so forth. And one day I went in and the, the lady that sits there and checks the people in and so forth, uh, she had changed. The, the one that was usually there is evidently her day off, so this lady did. So uh, I didn't stop by the desk because, uh, you know, I, I knew where the room was, and, and uh, I just started walking, and she said, sir, do you know where you're going? Uh, I said, uh, yes, ma'am, I've, I've been here every day. My wife has been in here, and I know where she is. I know where she's going. And then I stopped in here. I said, by the way, I know where I'm going when I die. And she said, oh, nobody can know that. I said, uh, do you believe the Bible? Oh, yeah, I believe the Bible. Everybody in Tennessee believes the Bible. They don't know what's in it, but they believe it, okay? <laughs> By the way, there are a lot of people like that in Mississippi, too, amen? 
Oh, yeah, I believe the Bible. So I said, let, let me give you one verse. And I had my New Testament, and I turned to it, 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know. I said, look at that. That you may know that you have eternal life. You know what she said? I can't buy that. I said, it's not for sale, amen. <laughs> Salvation is not something you buy. It's a, it's a free gift. I don't think she got it. Okay. But we know where we came from. We know where we are. We're saved by the grace of God. We're in the hands of God. We're in good hands, amen. And we know where we're going. Absent from the body. Present with the Lord. Is that not great? Now, I've always, it's always been wonderful to know that. But never as wonderful as it was on July the 1st, 1917, 16, when Virginia breathed her last breath. And all I could think of was, she's absent from the body, but she's present with the Lord. She breathed her last breath of this air, and she breathed her first breath of celestial air immediately. It's real. What a great comfort. Amen. We know where we came from. We know where we are. Jesus knew that. So as a result of that, notice what happened. Consider the setting. Jesus and his disciples had observed the Passover. He had instituted the Lord's Supper. They were reclined around a table, not setting up like Leonardo da Vinci has them, okay. They were reclining around the table. And every one of them knew that there was something that needed to be done. It was very obvious that they all had dirty feet. Now, the Jewish people wore sandals. And after they would take their bath, they would walk a muddy road or a dusty road, whichever the case may be. And uh, so their, their feet would get dirty. And, and when they uh, entered a house, uh, and by the way, in this place, there was a basin of water uh, there was a towel, there was a bottle or, or a bottle of water, and there was a basin to put the water in, uh, but there were no foot washers. In, in most houses, if they had a slave, then the lowest of the slaves, it would be his job to wash the feet of the people that came in. And guess what? If they did not have servants, guess whose job it was? It was the wife's job. But there's no wife there, uh, no one there. So uh, every one of them needed, uh, knew that feet needed to be washed. There are two senses that let us know when feet need to be washed. One is sight and the other one is smell, amen. The house had no servants. And uh, so Jesus gets up, okay? And he takes off his rabbinical robe. 
and he girds himself with the towel. And he goes over and he gets the basin and he gets the bottle of water and he fills the basin with the water and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Now think about it. Anyone could have been the foot washer that day. Any one of the 11 or the 12. Judas was still there, okay? So any one of the 12 uh, could have done it. It took no training. It took no extra talent. There was no educational requirement. But no one volunteered to be a foot washer. No one. Now, forgive them, okay? Because they had something very important going on at that time. And if you read Luke chapter 22, verse 24, here's what they had going on, okay? Now, this is the same story, the foot washing story in Luke. And notice what it says. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. I mean, they, they had a big controversy. Well, which one of us is going to be the greatest? And I, I can just imagine Peter said, well, you know, preaching is very important. And I'm the preacher, so I'll probably be the most important. And maybe John said, well, you know, love is really important. I mean, you know, and I'm the disciple of love, so I, I, I'll probably be the greatest. Uh, money is important. Judas Iscariot said, and I'll probably be the greatest. And probably one of them said, well, I hate to say this, but humility is so important. And I am the most humble, okay? <laughs> and while they were arguing, Jesus got up, laid his garment aside, filled the basin with water, began to wash their feet. Question, why did he wash their feet? By the way, this is not a church ordinance. Now, I know some churches that <laughs> they have foot washing in their church. I was in a home one time, and they were going to have a foot wash. Now, it wasn't the church I was going to. It's some of my relatives' church. They were going to have a foot washing that night. And, man, I'll tell you what, the last thing that needed to be done for any of them was wash their feet. They might not have washed it any other time. Before they went to church that night, man, they washed their feet. They put papier on it and everything else. I mean, you know, so it didn't really need it. Uh, but, but these needed it, okay? Why did Jesus wash their feet? Here's the simple one, number one. There was a task that needed to be done. There was a task that needed to be done. Listen to what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 9.10. Whatsoever thy hands find to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where thou goest. You know what the preacher is saying? Whatever you find to do, then you go ahead and do it. I mean, do it right. Do it with all of your might. Do the very best job that you can. By the way, Whatever needs to be done, you're not too big to do it. Okay. You say, well, I'm, I'm the pastor, or I'm the deacon, or I'm the teacher. It doesn't make any difference. 
if something needs to be done, you ought to be willing to do it. You know, a lot of people get hung up on uh, how to grow in the Lord. Here's the way to grow in the Lord. After you get saved, do everything that you're supposed to do. Listen to your preacher. First thing you need to do is you need to get baptized. Or you say, well, I don't think baptism is so important. It doesn't matter what you think it is, amen? Uh, if you're saved, then you ought to be baptized. And uh, if you're baptized, then you ought to be a member of a church. I've heard people say, well, I can live just as well out of the church as I can in the church. Only one thing wrong with that. That's a lie, okay? No, no, no. The church is God's plan, okay? Uh, every born-again believer needs to be a member of a church, a, a church where they attend, a church where they can fellowship with one another, a church where they can encourage one another, a church where they can exhort one another. Every person that is saved by the grace of God ought to be a member of a church. If you're here tonight and you've never been baptized, uh, you ought to come forward and do that tonight. If you're here tonight and, and this is where God would have you to serve as a, as a member, uh, this would be a good thing to do. I'll tell you what, if, if I was in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, uh, I'd join Central Baptist Church. You say, well, you don't know anything about any of the other churches. I know, but I know your church, amen? And it's a great church, great fellowship, okay? Uh, by the way, then after you, yeah, after you get saved and you get baptized and you become a member of a church, then you ought to become a tither. Everybody ought to tithe, everybody. Uh, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. And you say, wherever we rob thee, and tithes and all. In other words, if, if you're saved, you ought to be a tither. By the way, if you're saved, you ought to be given the faith promise. You say, how do you know that? The Bible says, every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. In other words, these are little things that need to be done. So whatever needs to be done, do it. Now, I've not always been a good example. But uh, when I was president of BIMI, uh, I'd, I'd been out golfing one day after, after work. I, the office closed at 430 and uh, I'd often go out to the golf course and, and hit, hit a few balls and so forth. And I just had on a T-shirt and some more pants. And uh, I went by the office. I'd forgotten something. And when I got there, that room had already been cleaned. That building had already been cleaned. But I noticed something on the floor. And so I got the vacuum cleaner out and I, and I vacuumed it up. And I didn't know it, but uh, the... Uh, a ladies' meeting, the uh, missionary ladies' meeting from Highland Park Baptist Church was having their meeting there that night. And, and the leader of that came in, and she saw me, and she, uh, she began to boss me around. Uh, hey, we need some tables. Would you bring us a couple more tables? We, we need some chairs and do this and, and, and do that. And so I just, whatever she told me to do, I did it. After a while, one of the ladies that knew me real well, Miss Haskell, came in, and she heard this young lady just bossing me around, telling me everything I need to do. And she said, uh, do you know who he is? And she said, yeah, he's a janitor. And she, she said, no, he's the president of our mission. But that make any difference. If something needs to be done, you ought to do it. If the toilet needs to be clean, you ought to clean it, Amen. Uh, if the if missionary ladies need some chairs, you ought to be with 
In other words, whatever you need to do, you ought to be doing it. It was a simple task. A very simple task. Zechariah 4.10 says this, For who hath despised the day of small things? You say, well, uh, I'll take care of the big thing. No, 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 no. Who hath despised the day of small things? It was a humiliating task. I mean, you know, you, you had to humble yourself to be a foot washer. Luke 14, 11 says, For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, but he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. It was a neglected task. It was an undesirable task. But it needed to be done. So number one, the reason he washed their feet was feet needed to be washed. Number two, he wanted to give them an example. Look at verse 15. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Notice what Jesus didn't say. Don't do as I do. Do as I say. No, no, no. He said, you've seen me do this. Now you do as I have done. I have heard men say to their sons while they were smoking a cigarette, son, don't ever start smoking. And guess what? Your son's not going to listen to what you say nearly as much as he's going to watch what you do. So uh, he, he wanted to give them an example. They watched him. They began to imitate him. They watched their master perform this task as a servant. By the way, God does not need any more celebrities. But he does need some more servants. He urged them to do the same. Not do as I said, but do as I have done. Number three, he wanted them to know that he loved them. Performing a humble task of this nature by somebody like their master, Jesus Christ, showed them that he loved them. When he appeared to them after his resurrection, he did not show them his head. He did not show them his muscles, but he showed them the nails in his hand, his riveted hand. Again, he wanted them to know that they were forgiven. By the way, he even washed Judas' feet. Up to the time that he committed suicide, Judas could have been saved. Foot washing is needed everywhere. Imagine what kind of an attitude would be for the atmosphere of your home if everybody in the home was a good foot washer. Whatever needs to be done, you just do it. Japanese men, usually they don't do anything in the house and, they, you know, they boss their wives around. Uh, when somebody's around, when there's nobody around, the wife bosses them around. I know it, okay? Uh, they, they won't admit that, but it's true anyway. But I never will forget having a, 
an evangelist in, in our church one time. Uh, Vance is a good, a real good Japanese preacher. And um, he got up from the table after we'd eaten breakfast, and he went in the kitchen, and he, he rolled up his sleeves and began to wash them. And, and I said to them, that's not Japanese. That's not the way Japanese do it. And he looked at me, and he said, teacher, that's the way Christians do it. He taught me a lesson, amen. Foot washing. That would work in the workplace, wouldn't it? That work in church, wouldn't it? Rather than wondering who's going to be the greatest, and by the way, there's only one great, and that's him, amen? The rest of us are just servants, okay? Rather than worrying about who's going to be the greatest, let's just find whatever he wants us to do. Let me, let me read you one passage of Scripture. I love it. Paul said, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Think about it. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ. You have this kind of attitude, the kind of attitude that Jesus Christ had. What do you have? Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Isn't that a great passage? He was equal with God. But he took upon himself the form of a man and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. You say, Brother Sesk, in the workplace, in my home, in the church, if I became the kind of servant you're talking about tonight, I would become the footmat for the people. People would walk all over me. I would have no respect at all. By the way, you may be right as far as man is concerned, but are we trying to please men or are we trying to please God? Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Notice what God did for Jesus. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. By the way, that's going to happen. Everybody one day is going to bow before him and recognize who he is. Hey, notice what he wants to do for you. Listen to it. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God 
that he may exalt you in due time. First uh, Peter 5, 6. Sometimes uh, when you go home, don't do it now. Just stay with me on the message, okay? But when you get home tonight, uh, turn to First Peter and, and chapter 5, verse 6. And, and I want you to listen to this. Humble yourself. By the way, God never did tell anybody, save yourself. God never did tell anybody, keep yourself. No, we can't do that. God has to do that for us. But God will not humble you. You have to humble yourself. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due season. Listen to it. My task is not to exalt myself. Now, there are a lot of people that do it. But my task is not to exalt myself. Your task is not to exalt yourself. Our task is to humble ourselves. And by the way, in due time, he will exalt those who humble themselves. Probably before you get home tonight, you'll have an opportunity to be a foot washer. I guarantee you, when you go to work tomorrow, you go to school, you go, whatever you do, there'll be many opportunities for you to be a foot washer. There'll be something that needs to be done. And basically, anybody could do it. But most of the time, nobody wants to do it. And there'd be an opportunity for you to humble yourself and do whatever your hand finds to do. Wouldn't that make a sweet home? Wouldn't it make a good office place? Wouldn't it make a good church if we would all just be willing to wash one another's feet? By the way, Jesus didn't say, now you've seen me wash your feet. Now you wash my feet. No. They'd have all said, oh yeah, we won't do that. No, no. You've seen me what I've done. Now you wash one another's feet. And by the way, he didn't say, if you know these things, happy are you if you teach them. <laughs> okay. Happy are you if you write about them. No, no, no. He said, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. I'm sure tonight there's some people sitting here that there's some task that you know God wants you to do, then why don't you go ahead and do it and be happy? Let's bow our heads for prayer, Pastor.